0: you up and i spit you out and i play with the baby still to scream and shout oh yeah welcome to Burn It All Down, the feminist sports podcast you need. I'm Amir Rose Davis, and today we have Bitches Be Laboring Part 2. Ooh. That's right. I am joined today with Shireen. It is a melanated takeover of Burn It All Down. Hi, Shireen. Good morning. Morning,
1: Dr. Davis.
0: On this episode of Burn It All Down, you'll be treated to a grab bag of sorts. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the world of sports in the month of March, and we are going to try to break some of that down. Then, of course, we're going to have our burn pile. Uh, We're going to lift up some torchbearers of the week, and we're going to tell you what's good. Um, But first, before we jump into all of that, Shireen, I know you've been super busy and not keyed into March Madness, so I want to do a fun game called March Madness Out of Context. And I want to know if you saw anything on Twitter that was utterly confusing about this March Madness tournament that you wanted me to explain and or let me offer you the most confusing things out of context.
1: Okay, so I haven't even seen anything. I've seen some highlight reels, but I've seen the men's tournament where this beautiful young player lost and is sobbing into the arms of his coach. And I'm really moved by that.
0: Well, I think you actually watched a beautiful young player sob into the arms of the coach of the team that beat him. <gasps> so that was Juwan Howard, coach of Michigan, after beating Colorado State, um, and he was consoling a player from that team. And you have that, that viral moment of him crying into, into his chest while Juwan Howard comforts him. So that is the clip that you definitely probably saw.
1: I did. And I was like, I'm so moved by that leadership and that generosity of spirit and that very sincere comforting of a young player. And, you know, I'm up in my feelings all the time. You can imagine (laughs) that I was tearing up in this like 25 second clip. But it was just it's something that we don't see, particularly in light of young athletes in in the college level and Div one in this huge tournament, like the machismo surrounding it. We don't see. And we're only starting to talk about mental health of women athletes now. So talk to me about emotions in the tournament, Amira.
0: (laughs) Well, I would say before we get to emotions, I have two best things that I want you to try to guess. One, the best mascot. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God.
0: And I'll give you a clue. This mascot comes from a team that is defying the odds and keeps winning even though nobody knows where this school is <laughs> or what they're called but everybody's just now discovered what their mascot is is
1: it the the geologist It is school? not the school <laughs> <laughs> the mines it's not Yukon it's not the husky <laughs>
0: it's not it's I will give you a clue it's Saint Peters Russia it's not Saint Peters peacocks <gasps> the guy on the plane with the peacocks you remember that video well, my favorite story about the Peacocks is not just them. Their spirit squad was unable to go to the games and they posted a, a image saying, we're cheering you on from away. And Peacock TV said, what? What? Birds of the feather must flock together. Oh,
1: I love that.
0: Pack your bag, Spirit Squad. We're getting you to the game. And they responded, wait, are you serious? And they said, flock yes. (laughs) Check your DMs. And they flew the Spirit Squad out to the Peacocks. Second round game in which they improbably won against Murray State. And so they are still dancing. They will be playing on Friday versus number three seed, Purdue. 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on Friday, March 25th. They are in the Sweet 16 for what I can only imagine is the first time, but somebody please correct me if the Peacocks have been there before. Where, where are they from? Right. So St. Peter's?
1: Yeah, but where <laughs> is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So do we know? We're saying uh, Jersey. They're from Jersey.
0: They're from Jersey. That's right. Some people were like, Jersey Pride. Never knew. Never knew. They have never even won a tournament game before they took down Kentucky in the first round.
1: I gotta. I, I just want you to know that because in our pre-production, Jessica didn't know that females are peahens and the, the men are peacocks. And I know this because of South Asian lore and all the, the peacocks are a hugely important animal. Also, you eat the peahens, not the peacocks when you roast. I don't know if you knew that <laughs> or if that's interesting, important to know. Not that this information is relevant to Brenda. She wouldn't eat a peacock or a peahen anyway, but but the colors are beautiful. Yes.
0: So that is the thing. And then the random heroes of March Madness. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a picture of this, Shereen? The cheerleader. The cheerleaders. Absolutely. Yeah. The Indiana cheerleaders. There was a ball stuck behind the backboard as it does. And they formed a a tower and they went and got it down. And people said, madness! This is indeed March. Oh, I love it. The other great thing I'll I'll leave you on as we move in is after, you know, ridiculous Dan Roval tweeted out that there was no upsets (laughs) in uh, the women's tournament, etc., etc., etc. We saw (laughs) number two Iowa lose. We saw number two Baylor be stunned by number 10 South Dakota. Uh, We saw Georgia go down. Uh, at the hands of Iowa State, but listen to this call from the end of the Creighton Iowa game, where Iowa transfers sinks a three at the last minute to move on, um, and and send Creighton into the Sweet Sixteen. Rainbow.
2: Then that
0: three pointer. Oh, and how could I fail to mention number 11, Princeton, doing it for all Ivy League folks <laughs> in the tournament? Um, Stun Kentucky, fresh off their SEC tourney win, 69 to 62.
1: I love, love all of that. Oh, God, I need to start watching this.
0: Though, so the other storyline you need to know for March Madness is that the refs have decided to lean all the way into Madness. And either never call fouls or call them randomly on only one team on both sides. I mean, the men's and woman just said to me at one point, gee, I'm so glad the refs are terrible on the men's side, too, because now we could just say, what are they doing?
1: It doesn't do great things for my anxiety, but yes, I, I
0: hate that. Well, welcome to the jungle. Here we go. <laughs> March Madness. Alrighty, flamethrowers, it is time for the grab bag to end all grab bags. It is melanated, it is full of fun, and it is with me and my Shireenie. I am so happy to do this segment. Me and Shireen have both been laboring, bitches be laboring, as we keep telling y'all. And uh, we just literally have been missing each other, Um, whether it's on the recordings that you see or just generally in life. Um, we both you know, have had a lot of things going on, so it's really fun, Shereen, to reunite with you today, because there is a lot happening oh, yeah. here in March in the world of sports, from basketball, of course, to tennis, to women's hockey, to bobsled, to Champs League. There is a lot to talk about. And so, Shereen, I want to kick it off by asking you a question. Mm-hmm. Listen. I don't understand a lot of things about women's hockey because there's a <laughs> lot of acronyms and I find it, frankly, very confusing to keep track of what it all means. Yeah. But I saw some reports about whatever PHF is. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted you to, A, tell me what these acronyms mean
1: mm-hmm.
0: and if these reports actually mean anything or is this more of like a shenanigans
1: so uh I've been really occupied with women's hockey it's been taking up so much of my brain space which is which is great which is wonderful but I think it's really important with nuance to understand because there's the PHF which is the professional hockey association which was formerly the NWHL You will know it as NWHL. Yes, yes, I do. I remember this name, Jane now. So the reason that under former commissioner Tyler Tominia, they changed the name, was because there are trans players in that league and they wanted to be more inclusive, which I think is really, like, dope move. So the PHF currently is that. Now they have teams in the United States, and then their league, and then the Toronto Six is in Canada, and they're actually in the middle of the Isabel Cup right now. A Toronto Six is actually I think top of the standings and I was able to go to a PHF game when they beat Boston in overtime with an amazing goal. So that was awesome. And they're unbeaten at home, Toronto, you know, I'm going to wrap that. So what you've been hearing about all the acronyms you've been hearing that you probably would have also heard PWHPA, which is the professional women's hockey association, a professional association. And you have, national team members and Olympic team members who associate with PWHPA. Now you're probably like, well, why didn't they just join the league to begin with? And there's many reasons for that one, because there's two different visions and I'm somebody who believes like the more hockey, the better. You don't have to have one specific vision for something. It's okay for two things to coexist. And also, you know, the needs and the wants of the players are different and that's fine. Now there have been people saying, Uh, saying not necessarily kind things about the other league, that this was a glorified league, et cetera. That was Hillary Knight who said that. And the thing is, is that that is contextual and also for that time, right? We've seen millions of dollars, including $25 million being invested in the PHF. We're seeing sponsorships and uh, coming out for PWHPA. So it's a really incredible time and momentum in women's hockey. So you've also seen reports of those two sides and i do want to say this people are trying to play up and i say people i mean hockey media and their shenanigans so when you ask me about shenanigans it's men who don't know shit about women's hockey they're like let's talk about the rift do you know have any people i had in my inbox asking me to talk about the rift i'm like i'm not talking about any fucking rift this is not the narrative that i'm interested in and i will just say this i said that to erica i yell on twitter and sarah nurse liked my tweet so um, <laughs> just that's affirmation for me right there the point is, it's okay to have two different visions. This is again, I'm editorializing. This is me. I think there's space to support women's hockey, period. There is. And there's this tweet coming out saying that the NHL is not prepared to support this until Gary Bettman gives his blessing. Can you see my face right now? It's perplexed, stares in brown confusion. Who the fuck wants Gary Bettman's blessing? <laughs> like, you know me, you know, my go-to meme has always been that like Becca mad face from Pinky and Jess. Like that's my face right now. Like, no, Gary Bettman, keep your blessings. I'm not interested. And neither is women's woman's ho- Well, it's me not caring on behalf of women's hockey. All this to say the product is there. Um, We've seen the Canadian women win gold, the U.S. women win silver at the Olympics. These women are the best in the world. This is arguably one of the best rivalries Canada-U.S. in the world in the history of sport, in my opinion. I'm fairly biased here, but also there's a momentum. And let's get the storyline straight. If you think there's a rift, fucking talk to people at the head of it. Like, talk to them. There's actually no commissioner at the PHF at the moment, but You know, talk to people, see what they're saying, see what they're gauging. And right now, Canada's super busy in a post-Olympic tour and the PHF is rolling forward with the Isabel Cup. So there is going to be, there have been games. There was a rivalry matchup, remeet in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago. Canada won in overtime, of course, at the stick of Marie-Philippe Poulet. But the point is these two teams and this entire explosion of excitement, it's a good thing. And I love that the numbers are up. You can watch the Isabel Cup. On ESPN2 broadcast, you can also watch it on Twitch. So watch it, support women's hockey in whatever way, shape or form, it comes to you.
0: Well, thank you for that. I have not been keeping up with women's hockey. So that was helpful.
1: Amira, I have a question for you. Yeah. Oh, I was talking asking you about emotions. Let me know. And I'm specifically asking about Naomi Osaka because very recently in Indian Wells, she was heckled. And she cried and she cried while she was thanking the audience in this incredible way that she does. And she said, it wasn't only that she was heckled it's that she was heckled in Indian Wells, California. Yeah. Can we break that down a bit? Why, why was that so impactful for her?
0: For sure. She watched a video of Serena and Venus being heckled at Indian Wells, which of course um, they experienced this um, when they were much younger Um, And they experienced racial abuse at Indian Wells. Um, The fans were accusing Richard of sitting um, Venus out with an injury and they were assinuating that he was fixing everything. And because of the abuse they experienced there, they, you know, left that they didn't return to Indian Wells for like 16 years. Um, And they finally returned just a few years ago. Um, So, Naomi watched a clip of them being heckled. I don't understand why, personally. Like, I get knowing going into it, but this is not the first time they've been at Indian Wells. And so when somebody said, you suck, um, she started crying. It really profoundly impacted her, and she talked about that after. She said, it got replayed in my head a lot. Like, it it was very hard. And I think it engendered this conversation because I heard a lot of people saying, well, she just, it was just, you suck. Like people get yelled really terrible things at them. And she's been outspoken about her mental health journey. She's been outspoken about her emotions in, in ways that at one point were applauded. And it felt like the discourse around this was kind of like, is there an expectation for thicker skin, you know? And it was frustrating because at the same time, it's like, We have become so accustomed to shouting whatever we want to shout at refs, at players, etc. That, like, the rethinking sports culture was at the level of, do you need thicker skin to be an athlete? And not, geez, like, why do we shout these things knowing that this is somebody who's talked about, you know, a certain type of mental fragility around confidence? And I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of easy answers. I think it's one of those things that's both and, um, in my opinion. Um, and that's just like, personally, I think we're naive to expect people to stop yelling. And I hope that we have conversations about like things we need to prepare ourselves for, even though we shouldn't have to. And Shireen, me and you are parents of of black and brown kids, and we have to do this a lot, right? We have to prepare you for things you shouldn't have to do. Where to keep your hands when a cop pulls you over? You know how to act to people of authority, like how to how to maneuver and navigate through airports. These are things we shouldn't have to prepare to do. Like we even know it ourselves, you know. Shereen, I I watch you get terrible tweets and hate mail and things like that, and that doesn't stop you. But we've had to figure out how we deal with hate mail. And you know how it is. You can just be having a bad day and it's just like that one message, that one day that on a Tuesday wouldn't have impacted you, but this Wednesday was gray and you were already fighting with your kids and whatever, and it just felt like too much. And so, like, I see that. And that's kind of how I thought about this This with emotions with Naomi. Um, like Maybe we also
1: don't go back to Indian Wells. So one of the things that really made me angry in all this is that she actually went to the umpire and said, can you reject that person? The umpire said, no, I was livid because there's no supports. It seems like, and I, I don't do tennis a lot. I did go to one game just to watch Serena at the Rogers cup in Toronto and I ate chips and I didn't realize you're not supposed to eat loud stuff and you're generally supposed to be quiet. So tennis is not exactly a sport that's associated with the same type of heckling and hockey or baseball. So like, how is this fucking allowed to happen?
0: Yeah, I mean they said, Oh, it happens again, we'll go do it. But like I said, there's not there's lacking mechanisms for doing this, which I think sporting spaces around the world are are dealing with. Yeah. So yeah, but I think that we can continue to think through like the place of emotion in sports. There's some emotions that, like we just talked about Mm -hmm. earlier, like happy tears, right? Or the anguish of defeat. Like we we know what to do with some emotions. There's other emotions like moments where you're lacking confidence or where you're upset or where you're triggered that we don't quite know how to place onto the terrain you know of the middle of the match one of the other things that you've been paying attention to which i have not is canada's bobsled team um i have seen your tweets so like i see that there's things happening there is a report um and can you explain how or if this latest Report out of Canada bobsled is related to Kaylee Humphreys, which is what I kind of know about, or is it a new report? Like, what is happening?
1: So, essentially, post Beijing and Canada, although it meddled in the format bobsled and the mono bob, it didn't necessarily achieve the podium levels. And the problem with the binaries within winning are that you either hit the podium or you don't. But what ended up happening is I saw this unravel. You know, when you see a story unravel in front of you, you're like, oh, this is going to, the shit's going to hit the fan. There was an interview with a woman for Own the Podium, which is a program in Canada that actually really fosters uh, development of athletes. And she was talking about the supports that the athletes have, but the athletes are sitting there at home, like social media bless. They're at home and they're watching. They're like, what the fuck is that? That's not, we weren't. So the thread of that actual tweet was you saw all the athletes coming up going this is not right i had to pay for this i was not funded for this we had to pay out of pocket so what ends up happening now is after olympics 60 athletes with canada bobsleigh write a letter asking the removal of two particular executives and so the response of obviously the organization is we're going to meet with our athletes as soon as possible to talk about it but it's like Bitches, please, you had time to talk to them before. This is why they're complaining. And like, you don't want to do it now. So they're essentially asking for the resignation of Bobsleigh Canada Skeleton President Sarah Story and High Performance Director Chris Lebhan. So as a result, Humphreys actually came forward publicly and so did Elena Myers-Taylor, whom we love on this show, came forward in support and in solidarity. One of the problems, and Christina Apia, who is a Canadian, um, she's a Black bobsleigh athlete, Said that she was part of the development program. So, even though she was at Whistler BC training, she didn't have access to medical care. She didn't have access to physio, uh, to assessments. Like, that's a huge problem. So, the way that it's being done, and they're also citing toxic culture. So, these are things that I think we really need to get, we really need to pay attention to because abuse and maltreatment and lack of support and neglect are things that are part and under the umbrella of that type of abuse. And I would I would really implore our listeners to pay attention to this. Amateur athletes, Olympic athletes rely heavily on these spots to get potential sponsors, and they feel that if they speak out, their place will be cut, which we have seen that power dynamic being used. And just to parallel this really quickly, Amira, I listened to the dominic dawes episode of american prodigies and in that and everybody should listen to that um you talked about the power dynamic and the vulnerability of those athletes and that's a strain that we see here we see the need to want to have to acquiesce to things that may not be safe for you because you want that spot on a team i wanted to actually ask you about dominance yeah what about i had framed this initially in the champs league stuff because you see the same teams going over again you see like i'm sorry i'm never going to get bored of a madrid derby it's never going (laughs) to happen or a manchester derby you know we're excited about that Mm -hmm. but why is it so invigorating why is it not boring like why do i care so much right and how does this relate to dynasties and how does this relate to other sports as well yeah no i
0: think it's a great question because everybody has like you know where do what do we think about dominance when do we think about dynasties in sports and now you know we kind of always have the old adage that like people are like oh dominance is terrible for women's sports but it's like something they love in men's sports but i also think it has certain arcs regardless of where you're watching it right where a team like, that people love starts being dominant, and then people love to hate them, right? And you need a heel in sports. I think we all have teams that are big powerhouses that we love to hate. Obviously, in football, the Patriots became like this. The Cowboys were like this in the 90s, right? Like, people grow up not just with a liking of their team, but knowing who to hate, right? Whether it's the Yankees or whatever. And a lot of that has to do with dominance. I think, at the same time, it's familiar, you know? Like, there's a way in which this, this past Super Bowl featured two teams, you know, the Rams, like the Bengals, like people you wouldn't expect to be there. And people were like, ugh, like this boring Super Bowl. And it wasn't just like defending advertisers who didn't want it. They were like, "Oh, this is so random. And it's like, there's a certain comfort with having familiar teams there. And, especially when they come with their own storied rivalries. So, like, why will you never get tired of having, like, these potential matchups going into the quarter, you know, final of Champs League? It's like you still want, as as much as at the beginning of the year, you're like, here's a random team that, like, I hope will disrupt their group stage or, like, shock everybody. At the same time, you're coming into March and April, and it's like, yeah, you want to see these teams that you know have storied rivalries a lot to play for who are are going for a certain type of glory. You want to see them match up on the pitch. I think that there's just like a pull, right, to that. And so I think maybe the best thing is a mix, right, <laughs> where you have these like heavyweights. March Madness is a perfect example of that. You have these heavyweights, you know, coming into the postseason. That's really great that you can expect to be there. And then you have to have a few Cinderella's. You have to have the the peacocks of the world, right? You have to have Creighton, you know, draining a three and and getting Iowa out of there. You have to have that. And I think that's actually what makes the drama. So I don't know. That's where I am. This is what I'm telling myself anyways. Obviously, I'm very upset about our early champs leave exit. (laughs) But, you know,
1: this is where we are. This is where we are. I got worked up at the, you know, at the El Clasico every single time. And I've seen maybe 15. See? There's just... You know how it is. So I have three
0: lightning round questions for you to close out. I just need a yes or a no. Okay. It's going to be very hard for oh, you. Oh, Because when people tell me to limit to a sentence, I'm like, here's some run on sentences
1: for you. Whew. Okay.
0: So one of the things that was recently announced was in tennis... The Grand Slams are all adopting the same tiebreaker. So for those who aren't familiar, um, the tiebreaker rules across different slams were different. (laughs) Um, How they would uh, go to tiebreak and then what tiebreak they would use. Now they are all adopting a permanent move, um, which basically means the first player with at least 10 points in a two-point margin will win the tiebreak. Um, It is a one-year trial starting with the French Open, but then it should be embedded What say you, Shireen? Are you happy that there will be uniform tiebreak rules across tennis? Or do you like the chaos of every slam having its own thing when you get to a fifth or a third set? Yay, chaos. Shireen is for chaos. You heard it here. She is not a fan of the new tiebreak rules, <laughs> although I know our own Jessica Luther very much is, and hopefully soon she will break down why. Can
1: I just clarify that I know nothing about what you just I, said? No, they know they know
0: that you know nothing. <laughs> the other news out of baseball, um, which is back, by the way, uh, is that the NL is picking up the designated hitter, so there is no more. Having one league, one side of the baseball, whatever, uh, using a designated hitter and, and the NL not was one of the most contentious things every season. Um, and so here we are. Are you happy, Shireen, that the NL is adopting designated hitters? No more pitches hitting. Go Blue Jays. Blue Jays do play baseball, yes. Go Blue Jays. The answer to my question of, are you happy about the NL adopting the designated hitter is, go Blue Jays. You heard it here first, friends. And my last question, for teams who don't get into the official March Madness tournament, there is the National Invitational, the NIT On the women's side, we saw two curious refusals. We saw West Virginia University saying, listen, between injuries and the transfer portal and the money that it would cost to send our women's team to the tournament, we are declining our invitation to the WNIT. That was also put together with Duke, run by Carol Lawson, who just like refused to be selected for it. They said they were going NCAA tournament or bust, um, which was really eyebrow-raising because the WNIT has been a launching point for people who have won that tournament, just missed out on March Madness, won that tournament, and then come back the next year in contention, you know, or in two years in contention. So, Shereen, if you had a basketball team, would you, and you said, hey, it's, it's postseason or bust, it's NCAA or bust, would you stick to that after you didn't make it if your girls had a chance to play in a WNIT?
1: Is our mascot a peacock, though, is my first question about this.
0: No, it's not a peacock they're the blue devils <laughs> West Virginia are the mountaineers does that make a difference for you
1: if I had a basketball team well I would confer with Tim Duncan who would clearly be coaching with uh-huh, me of course and I would then would call Becky Hammond for and go for lunch as
0: one does yes
1: and then you know Timmy would fall in love with me and then I would probably say no because he would be on our honeymoon <laughs> so <laughs>
0: They would be on their honeymoon. Sorry, lads. Sorry, ladies. You cannot play in the WNIT because your coach is off on a honeymoon with Tim Duncan and their BFF, Becky Hammond. You heard it here, folks. Those are Shireen's hot takes for other news of the day. Thank you for joining this melanated magical grab bag. See you next time on Bishes Be Laboring. (laughs) <laughs> They're going to be like, did you
1: change the name of the show? LOL. Can you trust Can you put some, get your freak on by Missy Elliott in there?
2: Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business. Doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Shereen speaks with Jenny Wynn about the sports bra, a bar for women's sports opening soon in Portland, Oregon. And it was like
1: that clicking moment where it's just like, have we gotten so used to um, the, the quality and level of viewership that we have in public spaces for women's sports that we don't even notice something as huge as like having the volume on. And so, yeah, it was at that moment that I had said something to the effect of, man, the only time we can ever get a women's sports game to play, like for real is if we have our own place.
0: All right, Shereen, it's just me and you, so we really have to burn this shit down today. Can you get us going?
1: In the week following one of the funnest celebrations of the year, St. Patrick's Day, can the Chicago Bears be more terrible? Now, I understand that there is probably a twenty young 20-something social media intern in charge of the Twitter. But as for those that don't know, the Chicago Bears released a tweet where usually the Chicago river is dyed green. So they add whatever they need to, to turn it green for, to celebrate St. Patrick's day. So what some clever person who clearly knows nothing about history or world events or anything changed it. So it looked like the river was dyed orange instead. So they were like, Oh, let's be different. But the problem is when you do shit then you don't check with a historian or don't check with somebody that can be offensive. So what ended up happening was the Chicago bears unknowingly actually released a very anti-Catholic message. Now, for those of you that don't know, the flag of Ireland is orange, white, and green, orange representing Protestantism and the green representing Catholicism. Now what happened in that is the bears obviously did not know this. They had no idea. So it just got absolutely Absolutely retweeted. People were a little bit appalled because this isn't a joke. This is actually centuries of of battle and toil that's steeped in colonialism and forced imperialism. It's really bad. Like you may have seen me tweeting about like Palestinian solidarity with Irish prisoners in terms of injustice, in terms of persecution, in terms of all these things. So you're seeing a rallying about this. So this isn't to be taken lightly. All this to say is sports are political, but police, sports, people. Do your fucking research if you're attempting to wade into the waters of politics, and particularly if you're attempting to wade into waters where you want to dye it green. Don't even get me started on the environmental effects of dying the Chicago River, any color. We'll be adding that also in the show notes to read up about it and how important it is. I'm here to say I went to St. Pat's High School in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Aaron Goldbra and all that shit. But if you understand and if you don't understand, please go learn. So I want to take that Chicago Bears tweet and I want to burn it to the ground
0: burn burn okay um obviously with american prodigies uh jessica and i have been living in the gymnastics world and this burn therefore comes as no surprise um but it's still stomach churning uh it was announced uh that valerie lucan who gymnastics coach, will be named as the coach of Team USA in the upcoming DTP Porco Team Challenge and Mixed Cup International Gymnastics competition. This is one of the most powerful jobs in USA Gymnastics, um, being in charge of the team. Lucan's name has been, over the years, floated as the successor, the long-term heir to the Carolis. His name might seem familiar, of course, because he coached his daughter, gold medalist Nastia Lukin. But at the same time that he's being considered and now named to this position of coach of Team USA, he is currently, yes, currently, yes, right now, under investigation from Safe Sport, an ongoing investigation that was initiated after multiple former gymnasts reported suffering verbal psychological abuse while in training with him. Down in Texas at the World Olympic Gymnastics Academy, and at the Crowley Ranch, back years ago when people were exposing a lot of the harm and abuses in gymnastics, multiple gymnasts identified um, his coaching methods as ways that have harmed them. Um, about body shaming, about uh, witnessing him pushing his own daughter into a wall, etc. I just want to say this one more time: the man who was just named to coach Team USA is under an ongoing safe sport investigation. And we know these safe sport investigations are a mess. We know that they take a long time to start. They drag on for years. We know that there's very little transparency. There's a lot of issues with them. But the fact that he is still under a safe sport investigation about abuse, about his training practices, and is also being named to the head of Team USA is just like, What is happening? I ask again, where are the adults? Will the real adults in USAG please stand up? Will the people who care about harm, will the people who spent the last few years on this sad-ass apology tour saying they've cleaned house and they're repairing things and doing that, would they please come to the front and explain how appointing Luke into this position while there's an ongoing safe sport investigation does anything to change the culture of USAG? Huh? I can't hear you. Where is, the, where is the logic? Where is the sense? Where is the care? I am so over this organization in ways that I can't even begin to articulate. This move especially, disgusting. Toss it on the burn pile. Burn it all down.
1: Burn.
0: After all that burning, it's time to lift up some torchbearers of the week. But first, I just wanted to offer condolences to the families of Scott Hall, storied wrestler uh, who passed away this past week at the age of 63, um, and also to the University of the Southwest golf team who was involved in a roadside collision, leaving its golf coach and six college golfers um, without their lives. We want to send condolences to the families of all of those involved. Shireen, can you kick us off? Who is one of our first honorable mentions of the week?
1: Just want to take a second to shout out Ali Farag, who is number two seated in the world. He's a squash player from Egypt. He, After winning the title at Wimbledon Club in London this past week, he actually made a really astute comment. He said, quote, we've never been allowed to speak about politics and sport, but now we're allowed. I hope people look at the oppression everywhere in the world. He was speaking to not only the pain and the devastation and the struggle in Ukraine, he was pointing out the fact that it's been happening in Palestine for a very long time. So just want to shout that out and keep keep shouting it.
0: Absolutely. Our skier of the week is Michaela Schifrin, who won the overall World Cup title for the fourth time this past week. Uh, she had a really good run in her speed races. She was in a battle with Petra Vaholva, um going into the final uh, downhill. She emerged victorious. Uh, later, she said there's been some high moments this season and some really difficult moments as well, of course, alluding to the Olympic Games. Schifrin went on to say, ending it on a high and finding some really nice moments on the last races that's really important and very special. Congratulations to you, Michaela. Shireen, who do you have as our jockey of the week?
1: Uh, Rachel Blackmore became the first female jockey to win the prestigious Cheltenham Gold Cup when she rode A-plus hard to victory on Friday.
0: And our League of the Week is the nation's first Black owned professional lacrosse league. The National Lacrosse Association, NLA, launches this summer. The travel based league will showcase Black, Indigenous, Hispanic, Latino, and Asian lacrosse talent that hasn't traditionally been granted professional opportunities. And now, can I get a drum roll, please? I'm going to do Phil Collins right now. Our torchbearer of the week is Penn's Leah Thomas, who won the 50 yard freestyle at NCAA's. Thomas becomes the first known transgender athlete to win a NCAA Division I championship in any sport. Congratulations, Leah. Uh, It is wonderful to see. We also wanted to send a small shout out to Yale's Isaac Hennig, who wore a message on his arm saying, let trans kids play. And also to Emily Sullivan, who had not only had a good showing at NCAAs, helping Texas win the overall title there, but also for penning a story in Newsweek supporting her competitor, Leah Thomas, uh, circulating a story of them embracing in the pool after Leah's championship uh, swim. Um, and especially for not allowing herself to be a kind of wedge symbol uh, used by circulated images out of context that claim that she does not support Leah, which she does. All of this was heartening to see in the midst of lots of gray clouds. So congratulations, Leah Thomas. You are our Torchbearer of the Week. All right, Shereen, what's good with you?
1: Okay, so friends, my dad had uh, knee replacement surgery a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I went to Windsor to help him. And I want to just shout out Nancy. I want to shout out Riley. People that have been giving his physio, his PCW, that have been giving him care. It's a tough rehab, and he's been doing it. I'm proud of him. He got 100 degrees in extension and then inflection. So we're very proud of him. Um, spent March break, which was last week, mostly in Windsor. Um, I do want to say that I've started this new thing called not returning emails on Saturday. And I'm really proud of myself because I didn't return emails. So if you got an email, given me an email after 4 p.m. on Friday, I'm not giving it to you till Monday. And that is fine. Nobody, nothing was devastated. The world did not collapse. It was good. I went to my niece Aisha's birthday on the weekend. She turned three. She's fabulous. It was literally two years of a delay because two years ago we wanted to have her birthday and COVID shut that down. So this is her first birthday party with family, an extended family, which was total chaos and kids running around. And I loved every second of it. Lewis FC. We've talked about Lewis FC on this show. The last show that I was a part of, we talked about ownership. And we talked about club ownership and Lindsay and Brennan and I discussed this. That prompted me preparing for that show to actually finally do what I've been meaning to do for years is get a membership with Lewis FC. It's a community-based football club in England. And I'm now a shareholder. And I got a toque and I got a little card that says owner. And I get like 10% off in in at the pub there. So if I'm ever in that particular small village at the pub, I can get 10% off. I'm very excited about it anyway. Like it's, it's just been dope. So I'm excited about that. And lastly, my daughter is going to a Bridgerton-themed ball this week. Um, and Namira, I'm going to take this from you because I know it's in your what good. But yes, the ton is coming back, and I'm excited. And I'm excited to help Jihad come up. It's going to be really interesting because like Regency dresses are really low cut, and she wears the job. So we're going to try to figure out how to do it. Is she going to do a turban style, like hat with feathers? Are we doing gloves? Like what's? I'm very invested in this. Of course, they have so much fucking work to do this week, but this is where my focus will lie. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's so many shows coming back. Bridgerton also atlanta and starstruck this week alone uh dairy girls is coming back soon it's like the universe wants me to not work so you know there we are my what's good uh south by southwest is wrapping up here in austin i had the pleasure of being on a panel last week with members of the collective with monica mcnutt with max kelly who's the head of socials for espn risa moderated the panel we had a wonderful time there was a little girl and her mom, who came up to me after to get a picture. And I took a picture with both of them. But then later, the girl came back because she wanted a picture alone with me to show her second grade class, which will never, like, I'll never stop telling the story. It was the best thing that's ever happened to me. It was also great to see uh, our friends at South by Southwest, in- including uh, Katie Barnes, Chris Mosier. Bad Stuver, who's our new friend, um, uh, Dan Lebertard, uh, a few other folks. It was it was just great to catch up and and say hi. After that, I jetted off to L.A. with Samari for spring break, and it was great. I did a little work. I got to go to lunch with Wyoming Tyas, which was lovely to catch up with her always. Um, also, see Courtney and and my friend Janelle. Um, We went and saw Andrew Garfield talk for 90 minutes about his career, and it was glorious. He made me ugly cry into my mask, and that was a thing that happened, but he's hilarious. And uh, Samari went to her first college visit unofficially, got a tour of UCLA, which was a lot of fun. We had a great time in LA. Um, and then I came back and me and Jess went to Austin FC um, together yesterday. And we've both been to games before, but we realized we've never been together, even though we went to the first game ever in the stadium when the women's national team was in town, but had just never gone together. So um, the two of us went, took in the game. Um, they It was a draw, one-one draw, but this team is, is better than last year. And that's a lot of fun to watch. And also NWSL Challenge Cup is is started. Sam got the start for Portland and Ellie got in, subbed in for Gotham. I have uh, jerseys for both of them and I need somebody to make One of the combined jerseys for me. So when I fly out to Portland in July to go to their game against each other, I can rep both of my girls. So if you know how to do that, hit me up.
1: The split, the split shirt.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also shout out to Erica, our friend Erica Ayala, who followed up her New Jersey Devils call with um, being the first voice for the Angel City game for the Challenge Cup. So all exciting things all around. And that is absolutely what's good in my
1: world. as we transition to what we are watching. We're going to add a special category of what we are listening to, and that would be American Prodigies. I also really want to thank Dr. Mira Davis for dropping the episodes when I'm traveling back and forth to Windsor, because that it's I'm so grateful that you did that. So I have an episode to listen to, and I'm driving for a couple hours. So I love you.
0: You're welcome. I did that just for you. <laughs> <I know. laughs> what we're watching this week is Women's Cricket World Cup. Yay! Also, like we said, the NWSL Challenge Cup goes on and March Madness is all around us. Next weekend will be the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 for both the men's and the women's. Check it out. It's been great so far. That's it for this episode of Burn It All Down. This episode was produced by Tressa Verstegg. Shelby Weldon is our web and social media wizard. Burn It All Down is part of the Blue Wire podcast network. You can follow Burn It All Down on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, listen and subscribe, rate the show, wherever you listen to it, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. For show links, transcripts, check out our website, burnitalldown.com. You'll also find a link to our merch at our bonfire store there. And thank you, thank you to our patrons. Your support continues to mean the world to us. If you want to become a sustaining donor to our show, please visit patreon.com slash burnitalldown. Uh, We have some exclusive March Madness content going up over there and a fire uh, side chat coming up soon. So be there for sure. Burn on, not out. This is me, Amir Rose Davis, Shereen Ahmed, bringing you melanated magic on this Burn It All Down episode. We will see you soon, flamethrowers.